Welcome to On Strategy Showcase. I'm Fergus in Chicago. It is Lollapalooza week in our great city. Lollapalooza, if you're not familiar with it, is a four-day music festival which happens in our city every summer. Uh, We have, right in the heart of the city, we have Grant Park, which is an enormous space that that is used for the festival. And uh, so if you're going to that, I hope you have a great time. Thinking of today's episode, it is, in terms of the challenge at the core of this episode, is how do you make a brand that's perceived to be a cheap, low-quality one into a brand that appears to be a smart and desirable one. Now, we've dealt with this strategic challenge in the past with in, in a number of different episodes. Aldi Supermarkets in the UK is one that comes to mind. But when we think about Skinny, which is a mobile carrier in New Zealand, they had a customer churn rate of 65%. And they had lost their major distribution, other channel to market, which was a major sort of big box retailer, which sold uh, roughly, I think, 75% of their contracts and their business. And they had lost that uh, distributor because they had decided to um, offer their own private label. So Skinny not only needed to figure out a new path to market in terms of distribution, but it also had to figure out how to return to profitable growth. It had been a a 10-year-old brand and it had been targeted at youth. Uh, Skinny felt it had maxed out on that youth segment and it needed to explore a way into the general market. Yet, as a brand itself, the perceptions of the brand were not working in its favor, and we'll hear about that. Uh, On top of all of that, its parent company was also a mass-market telco, and they didn't want their sort of youth brand cannibalizing their higher-value general market customer base. So we cover two campaigns, each with uh, distinct objectives and attitudinal targets, campaigns that reduced customer churn from that staggering 65% to just 30% all while increasing customer revenue, increasing customer age, and increasing market share using terrifically funny creative work. So this is the strategy story behind Skinny Mobile in New Zealand with Amy Pollock, Strategy Director, Colenso BBDO in New Zealand, and Ali Young, Brand Marketing Lead for Skinny Mobile. Enjoy. Welcome to Amy and welcome to Ali. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having us, Fergus. It's lovely to be with you. And with you both. Yeah, I've I've um I've not heard of Skinny uh, except for the case studies. Obviously, I, I'm I'm not living in your part of the world. But is a, is Skinny uh, Ali? Is it is Skinny a New Zealand only brand? Is it limited to New Zealand, or does it go outside of that geography? And and how did uh, um, did Skinny come about as a brand? Yeah, so Skinny is only in New Zealand, and uh, it's been around for ten years now. Uh, I joined the brand when it was in its second year. Um, So there was a lot of crazy stuff happening before I joined. Um, So it all started out by uh, being developed as an offshoot of New Zealand's largest telco at the time called Telecom. However, Telecom had a few legacy brand issues because they were slow and they were old and uh, they weren't really targeting um, or they weren't attracting any youth. So they decided, a little group of people decided that they were going to start this new little brand called Skinny uh, to target youth and um, to try and sell some basic low-cost telco services within New Zealand. Um, To be honest, I actually don't know how they landed on the name Skinny, but um, definitely something to do with uh, targeting the youth and exemplifying that it was a cheap cheap brand. the skinny and so when you when you look at the competitive set that it had 10 years ago were there others that were targeting youth or were you felt to be sort of the pioneer in that space in new zealand yeah this was definitely uh, new zealand's first uh, probably one of new zealand's first 
youth brands, um, all that really. Um, when I first arrived into the business, uh, most of the, the people were under the age of 25. <laughs> Um, the, the management was over 25, which was good, uh, but it was very much a, a youth-targeted um, business. And at that time, what did it mean to be a youth brand? And I don't mean culturally, but, but from a brand perspective, what did it mean back then? Yeah, it was all about um, doing things differently. So non-corporate, but playful, um, pushing the boundaries, Speaking to, so because we hired people that were under 25 at that point, um, we spoke their language. So it was all about just doing things a little bit differently. What was the business problem that caused the review? What had changed from, from 10 years ago to what happened in 2017, 2018? Yeah, so there were actually two quite major things that happened. So first of all, um, our, our sales were starting to stall. And we didn't really know why. And for so long, we had been killing it. Um, but it turned out that the youth market, just there wasn't enough revenue in it for us. Uh, so we then, Spark, the, the um, management of Spark started to really start to look at why they were supporting two brands, one that was doing quite well, one that was starting to stall. Um, so we basically had to change tack and present a reason why Skinny should stay and exist. The second issue that we had was quite a big one. Skinny doesn't own its own stores. It was having um, stores are way too expensive for our little brand. So we heavily rely on our third party sales. Our biggest retailer at the time sold 70% of our sales. Wow. Which is quite a big challenge. And the word on the street was that they were going to biff us out and start their own own low-cost telco brand. So that was quite a scary, dooming position that we found ourselves in. So we knew that we had to do something quite radical. So you you mentioned there a minute ago, uh, you entered a new name into the conversation, which was Spark. What is Spark and what was this dual brand strategy referred to? Yeah, sorry, Fergus. So Telecom was the original parent brand, sort of the very... um, very does what it says on the tin, stalwart New Zealand brand. And they, in the in the intervening years, had also had a rebrand to Spark. So they're kind of New Zealand's national telco, you know, sort of leading the nation forward and, and all about innovation. And um, and they compete mostly with Vodafone. So you've sort of got one big global brand here, um, and then you've got sort of a nationally owned brand. And they're kind of the two big telcos, and there is also a third. So there's sort of three big players in this market. And then Skinny was sort of, you know, a, a distant fourth player. But um, of Spark, Vodafone, and the third brand, Two Degrees, none of them have a second brand, you know, so they're just sort of, they're standalone. So when when Spark had Skinny, um, yeah, there were some real questions about in a market of just, you know, four and a half, five million people, is it worth one company having two brands? Are they going to end up eating their own lunch? Amy, tell us from your perspective and from the agency's perspective, and I know that you weren't there at this point, but what do you feel the agency's perspective was on what the problem was with the Skinny brand? I think a little bit that the Skinny brand had kind of run out of road of what they wanted to be for and who they wanted to be for. So, yeah, that was great. They'd really cornered the market in terms of youth, um, and young people, but young people are both uh, very promiscuous with all of the brands that they use and um, not that valuable sometimes. So, you know, you kind of reach a ceiling of growth and, and you realise that 
um, it's pretty stagnant and there's not a lot of additional value coming from skinny. And so this was about going, man, how can we grow skinny up in a way that appeals to more people um, and potentially more people who might spend a little bit more money without losing the real attitude that came with the skinny brand of going, you know, we're not going to be complicated. We're not going to make things hard for you. It's going to be really simple and really easy and really fun. I read in the case that there was a significant percentage of churn, roughly 65%. What was that referring to? And why was there that higher percentage of churn? Oh, I think as with, um, as with a lot of service brands, particularly with young people, everyone wants to shop around and get a good deal. And because we make it really easy in New Zealand to switch telco, uh, there is a lot of deal chasing. You know, I'm going to get an entry deal over here. I'm going to go and get an entry deal over here. I'm going to get an entry yeah. deal over here. So a lot of people, you know, particularly with prepay, you get a SIM, you get a deal, you use it for a while, you ditch it for the next deal. So the, the churn was incredibly high. Uh, and it wasn't necessarily that um, Skinny wasn't a, a beloved brand, but it was just that people could dip in and out really easily, uh, which didn't make for very consistent growth. So I can imagine that there were some interesting discussions at this point, Ali, internally, because as you mentioned earlier, there was always debate about was it was it necessary to have two brands? It seemed to make sense when you talk about one brand being a youth brand. But now that you were kind of considering migrating away from that as your as your primary focus, the conversations with Spark must have been a little heated in terms of, or at least sensitive because you were beginning to think about the possibility of going into the broader mass market. Tell us about that. How did you win that debate? Absolutely. Uh, well, we had to find our position, really. We had to really sit down with, um, with Spark and work out where Spark played and where Skinny played. Uh, at the, when, when I first joined Skinny, um, both Spark and Skinny had the same um, $9 prepaid plan. So I wasn't actually allowed in the Spark building because Skinny was set up in a separate building at that point. Um, so we were complete competitors. So moving into Spark and then um, and then proving our, our worth was actually really quite difficult. And was that a was that a was that a, a differentiation or a space that was defined by product offering or by brand? Do you feel? No, by brand. Um, we we've over the years we've sort of morphed into Spark being um, value added services, so premium, whereas Skinny uh, is really just pure telco and low cost. So being able to um, differentiate in those ways uh, is really important. We also have um, what we call two different mindsets. So Spark uses what, what we call as purposeful disruptors. So Spark will go after um, those who are, are after leading New Zealand forward and, and looking for um, inspiration, whereas Skinny will go after the savvy and prag pragmatic people who just they, they, they want the thrill of an ingenious hat you know they, they want a good deal so um that's that's our customer base so you mentioned earlier that um you lost your one of your key channel partners your distribution channels in that sort of that major retailer um mm -hmm. car carried about 75 percent of your volume had did you re did you replace that distributor before this campaign came in and, and what has happened how are you now going to market since you lost 75% of that volume? Are you going direct? Yeah, well, um, uh, no. Well, yes, we do direct. Yes, 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 we do direct. But we actually changed tack and moved into supermarkets. Um, so supermarkets actually made up quite a, a big chunk of, of that, um, that revenue loss. Um, but also, 
just just rebranding, refreshing the brand just made such a big difference. Within literally within I think it was three months, we gained two percent consideration. It was just nuts. Amy, let's go back to the activities that Kalensa got involved with. So so this pitch, this pitch happens, these business challenges are are um are put on the table. What was the ask um in that original pitch as as best you remember or, or are aware of? I think the real ask was let's find a clear positioning in market that appeals to more than just, you know, shop around youth. You know, it was really simple. It's basically find us a platform that will be a springboard to growth um, and something that will be distinctive in market. So, Amy, when you when you look at the when you look back on those that pitch and what the agency did, do you can you share anything about what sort of planning activities the agency did to sort of understand the market and define yeah, and define so the market? Us, Totally. I think the first thing was to go, okay, um, we don't want to be just about price because that's that's a shortcut to failure. Um, what else have we got? So there was a real interrogation of, okay, what is Skinny's history? What does Skinny stand for? How have we grown? Why do people like us? And there are a few things that we found that were, were really interesting. The first thing was that um, at the time, Skinny had the highest NPS of any brand amongst, the highest net promoter score. So Skinny customers loved Skinny more than any other customers loved their own telco, which was kind of strange for us. That's really interesting and, and kind of why is that? And, and when we talked to some customers about it, um, they really liked that. They liked that it was cheap, obviously, but they liked that it didn't feel like they were cheaping out. It didn't feel like all the basics were done really well. So the, the product was solid. The network was solid. Um, the customer service was, was totally reliable, um, and they they yeah they they really really liked the brand, which was that was cool. That was interesting. We thought, oh, that's interesting. So customers really love it. And then there was kind of a, this sort of broader cultural insight around. Well, that's because people want to save money, but they don't want to feel like cheapskates. You don't want people to feel like they're um, like they're cheaping out, like you're taking that you know twenty pound flight where you have to freaking do all your own things and carry your own bags and whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, they want to save money, but they don't want to compromise. You know, we want we want to have our cake and eat it too. And then, so you kind of got right. Okay, so people kind of love the brand. People don't want to feel like they're cheaping out. And then you've got this idea that when in New Zealand's a real no bullshit place, right? You know, if if you're going to cut corners to save me money, I want to know how you're doing that because I want to make sure that I'm not going to get. You know, I don't want to make sure there's, any, there's no fine print that's going to trip me up later. So there's this kind of interesting thing around going. Um, the positioning that we landed on after kind of all this was what if skinny would do anything to keep prices low and customers happy? So it's this idea of we'll do anything. We'll, we'll, we'll front foot the compromise. We'll, we'll point out to you where we're saving money on the things that don't matter so that, you, so that we can show that we're going to save you money where it does matter. Uh, let me understand though, but, but that's among people that are happy with the brand. Then what about the people who are unhappy with the brand who are, who are not aware of the brand? which is going to be the target that you're going to have to go after. I've read things like you felt that that that, that market maybe thought of you as a brand for kids, that you were cheap yep. and low quality, and that these were reasons why you were not in the consideration set. Is, is that a way to, is that, is that true? Yeah. And it's tricky, right? Cause you still want people to think that you're cheap, right? That's yeah. important. Prices, price isn't going away. But we also need to prove to them that we are not low quality, that we're actually offering up something of value. Um, and what we're really offering is, is a great deal rather than just a low price. Yeah, because that's that's a pretty common thing. I know here in the U.S. too, because we have similar situations where 
the majors have some sort of minor division that is 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 paper is is sort of prepaid or some other version. Maybe they're youth targeted, and the the question tends to be: Am I am I getting quality? When in when the reality is, you're on the exact same network as the majors. Right. So, and I think that was the same here that you didn't, there was a perception of a quality problem, but that wasn't a reality at all. Right. Yeah. Even it, it sort of as, as the campaigns evolved um, over the last years, you know, we've, we've got some great stats where, you know, you'll ask someone, so what do you think about, you know, Sparks Network? And they go, oh, yes. Yeah. So 75% of people go, yes, Sparks Network is really great. And you go, what do you think about the Skinny Network? And, you know, only 35% of people think it's really great. And you, it's, Fergus, it's the same network. Yeah. Now, how much of that is testament to the power of a brand mm-hmm. that you can use exactly the same network and exactly the same service and someone can think that Spark's service or network is fabulous and Skinny's is, is terrible purely because of a low-cost perception? Yeah, it's interesting because this reminds me of another case um, that is similar. And, and, and they had a similar goal, which was sort of to make cheaper virtue. Uh, and not and, and and make cheap smart right so it was aldi in the uk and they used the the sort of they they had a great line They're, they've been on the show and people can listen to the episode but they basically said it's not that we're cheap it's that they're too expensive and and that was the brand platform for and continue i think it continues to be that or some variation of that uh to this day and they've been incredibly successful in turning a brand that was seen as cheap but actually now sort of seen as great value and smart one of my biggest um challenges working for spark and working in a multi multi-brand environment is that i would love to be able to say that we use sparks network however we need to make sure that we don't steal sparks customers <laughs> we can't be seen as a cheap spark right so I have to be very careful with how I present um, the, the the credibility part of this brand, which is which is the network. Um, yeah, it's 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 a challenge for sure. So uh, so Amy, when you guys come up with a direction to take, tell us a little bit about your strategic recommendation in that sort of what we call kind of campaign one, which was famous names. Uh, what was the platform or what was the strategy going into that? And what was it, what was the single thing it was trying to address primarily? Yeah. So you know, we've talked about it, you know, youth don't mind being cheap, but grown-ups do. They don't want to feel cheap. So that's that's cool. But everyone really likes the idea of a deal, especially if they understand how we're gaming the system to, to get more for less, right? So everyone, if you can understand how I'm doing it, then all of a sudden I believe that both high quality and low prices is possible. And there is, you know, there's a bunch of ways that Skinny are committed to keeping prices low. You know, Ali's already said we don't have stores. Um, we don't have bonuses or extras or value-added services. Generally, we don't do sponsorships. Um, but you go, that, those are kind of interesting, but how could we really prove to New Zealand that we are we are making sure you're going to great lengths to save you money in a way that is cheeky and funny and, you know, has that sort of slightly awkward Kiwi humour? So we landed on this idea of going, okay, we're going to create this, this classic telco campaign that talks about our plans and our network and how great Skinny is, um, but we're not going to use celebrities. The, the, the celebrities are a total shortcut to credibility, right? You get Tom Cruise or you get Matthew McConaughey or whoever, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, you know, such stature, such credibility. And so we instead basically scoured the country uh, for celebrity dupes. We found New Zealanders that shared their names with famous people um, and we we made them the heroes of our campaign. And it, 
and it so beautifully captured Skinny's attitude of going, we're going to give you um, everything that's great, except we're just going to do this one little thing to save you money in a way that is is charming and, um, yeah, and and really fun. So it's it's the idea, as I've read about it, it's the idea that we're not a brand. I mean, the, the underlying sort of message is we're not a brand that sort of spends on um, celebrities. We're a brand that spends your money and our money on service and on a quality of network. So it's sort of yeah, the anti. We don't, we don't waste money. Yeah. Yeah. So Amy, can you do us a favor? Can you describe your favorite spot from that first campaign? And then we're going to, we're going to play it here on the show. Yeah. Um, there's a really, I mean, the 60 is the most glorious, right? It's, it's basically going, you've got Michael Jordan, the basketballer, but he's from Kelston and, you know, so it's a suburb in West Auckland. And then you've got this fabulous guy called Clint Eastwood, who's from Pukekohe. Um, and you've got them doing these very star-studded activities, but, uh, yeah, but, you know, not, not quite making it and really just highlighting, look, this is not the stuff that Skinny wants to spend money on. Skinny's going to spend money on you instead. So, th- so this is actually, these are people, these are real people in New Zealand who have the same names as celebrities. They're appearing in the campaigns and they're sort of uh, taking the piss out of what those celebrities typically do, right? <laughs> That's a very important New Zealand cultural code, Fergus taking the piss. So that was <laughs> an essential component of the campaign. <laughs> we need Mr. Affleck on set. Have you seen Mr. Affleck? They need you on set, Mr. Affleck. G'day, I'm Ben Affleck. From Dunedin. And I'm Julia Roberts. Skinny will do anything to keep prices low and customers happy. By not wasting money on big athlete endorsements, like the more expensive Michael Jordan. Or very famous actors, like the other Clint Eastwood. Yeah! Instead, Skinny focuses on what really matters, like award-winning service. You can't do Mr. Anthony Hopkins. Creating simple mobile and broadband deals on a great network at Skinny Prices. It's the future of mobile. So go on, get the Skinny. Get the Skinny. Get the Sticky. Does that look good? Yep. So tell us about how the campaign rolled out. What were some of the tactical, sort of the, 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 uh, some of the more memorable tactical executions of that? Yeah, so we shot uh, the big films in big budget style, uh, and that was to basically decouple Skinny from the no frills image that we had and reposition ourselves as being savvy and um, offering some high quality bits and pieces. Uh, we then rolled into, into, we had to establish our credibility. So we had to show that our talent was actually legit. And we used advertorial partnerships and showcased real life stories, as well as um, facilitating on-air radio shows to actually really um, amplify amplify that these were our famous names. So these guys got, you know, they got the full celebrity treatment yeah. in New Zealand, right? You know, yeah. they had their own um, radio show interviews. They had their own advertorial partnerships. And, and everyone's in on the joke, right? No one's under any illusion that we actually think that these people are, in fact, Clint Eastwood and Julia Roberts. But there was something really charming about giving, you know, a lot of small, some small town New Zealanders the spotlight. When this first campaign um, uh, launches and it's run its initial course, what had been achieved from a brand point of view, Ali? What, what had you seen as success and what kind of KPIs were you tracking? 
Yes. Yeah, so the, our, our main KPI was consideration. We we want we needed more people to actually consider us as a brand, and that that went up immediately. It was actually quite amazing how quickly that went up. We basically doubled the acquisition goal, like you said before, drastically reduced churn. And I think the third thing that was really great about Famous Names was that we increased the revenue per customer. So basically, we were attracting higher value customers, which is really really important because if you can shift. In telco land, if you can shift what they call your ARPU, your average revenue per customer, by a tiny, tiny percentage, that, you know, equates to an enormous um, return on investment, which is brilliant for skinny. Why do you feel that your churn rate uh, reduced so significantly? And to what percentage did it reduce to, if I can get that? It went from 65 to what? I think it went from 65 to 54% just over that, that first Famous Names campaign period. Uh, which, which we were quite astonished by. Um, churn reduction is really important because I think it demonstrates not just love, but loyalty. You know, we had a high NPS. We knew that people liked us, but even that wasn't necessarily enough to make them overcome their, their price switching and stay with us. And Famous Names really demonstrated that if you create a brand that people love and buy into, um, that there is an opportunity to increase loyalty through that. Terrific. So, so we we have the first famous names campaign that launches in year one. I was curious for the next campaign, you came up with a, a different idea, and I'm wondering why did you guys feel it was necessary to come up with a new campaign rather than just continue with famous names? I mean, we just we were looking at that that sort of brand statement around we'll do anything, and we were kind of like, great, well, we've done one thing. What else could we do? And we were looking around. We were looking around, I guess, you know, as with anything, you do a big campaign, you see uh, what we thought was phenomenal growth, and then inevitably, you know, growth might slow down. And and what we really realised was there was a sort of group of New Zealanders who still wouldn't consider skinny, and this credibility thing came up as as being a really big barrier. So, you know, yeah, same network, same product, but people go, no, 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 not credible, not credible. And so we kind of went, okay, um, specifically what can we do to really attack the credibility piece? This is not necessarily about um, showing that we have great offers or good deals. This is about showing that we that we are legit, that people really love us. And so that was kind of what we laser focused on for the next phase. And that sort of felt like it required a slightly different approach. And so uh, my understanding is that of the people who would, uh, in your tracking studies, of the people who were would not consider uh, skinny, a quarter of them, was because they didn't feel that they knew anybody else who used the brand or, or, or used the service. Is that fair to say? Totally. So, you know, you, you can feel sometimes like you're drowning in brand tracking data, right? You get all sorts of statements and, and bits and pieces. And, and every now and again, I think you stop and you go through it and something really sticks out to you. And, and that was something that really stuck out to us was really, you know, a quarter of New Zealanders feel like they don't know anyone who's with Skinny. And that, statistically, that's not even true, right? Because we had, you know, whatever our our market share was at the time. And New Zealand's a, you know, relatively small place. Um, You probably did know someone who was on Skinny, but you just didn't know it. And so it was going, okay, well, how can we make, how can we use that to to our advantage? Now, there's something amazing about this, which we're going to get to in in terms of how you executed this. I mean, it's pretty stunning how you did it. But Amy, can you tell us first about what the brief was to creatives in order to come up with what ultimately became uh, friend-vertising. Yeah. So we thought I had this insight around, um, okay, so people don't think they know anyone that's on Skinny. That's cool. 
And then we also were having a look at, you know, Skinny had this friend get friend offer, which had been, you know, bumbling along for a long time. Um, and we realized that almost 20% of customers were coming to Skinny through this friend get friend offer, which is kind of unheard of, you know, and it wasn't a huge amount, you know, if, if I get you to join Fergus, I get 20 bucks and you get some free data, right? So it's like, it's, it's, it's good, but it's not, it's not life-changingly good. Um, and you hear about referral codes all the time, for, you know, Uber or food delivery services or um, or whatever. But for a telco, it's kind of unusual. And, and Skinny had never really promoted it. So we thought that's really interesting. So an NPS score can feel quite abstract. You know, who is really going out there and, and actively promoting their telco? But it turns out actually quite a lot of Skinny customers must have been. Otherwise, you know, one in five people wouldn't have been coming in through a friend. So that's interesting. So we went, well, what if we could, what if we could, make that happen at scale and the brief was really how do we unleash the cult of the people who really love skinny how do you get real people who really believe in skinny to advocate for us and that was kind of the strategic leap and what formed the brief and and then uh, tell us where the where that ended up in some of the early creative ideas so it was a lot of fun it was it was a great creative process but uh one of the things that came out from the creators actually was um, they'd gone away and done a, you know, a bunch of reading and research and thinking. And and people trust friends and family 92% more than they trust ads, which, which makes sense, right? So we go, okay, well, then how do we make friends and family our ads? How do we imbue our comms, our communications, with the same sense of trust and credibility as if it was a friend or a family member recommending it to you? And Essentially, what we designed was a campaign that where we would try and reach everyone in New Zealand featuring someone that they knew or someone that they knew of. <laughs> I mean, it's an audacious uh, goal, right? Uh, so, oh, what, yeah. and what did that mean? Because you were not you, you were a small brand. You didn't have a you didn't have a, a large scale budget to be able to spend against this. How did how did you get around that? I actually have to just take a second to shout out to our producer, Tash, because she's, she's our head of TV. Um, and frameditizing, what, what eventually became frameditizing as a producer's nightmare. We're essentially, you know, New Zealand is small, but we're not that small. We couldn't do five, you know. So we ended up with almost 50, 40, 47? Different versions. Frameditizers. Yeah. 47 frameditizers. And you're essentially asking the same budget, right? And the budget has not all of a sudden become 47 times bigger because we're going to make 47 sets of comms. Um, and we went out and we said, okay, we're going to recruit New Zealanders that represent New Zealand. Let's get into the, the, the sort of the details of this. When you talk about recruiting, I think you said 50 or so. Yep. When you, when you talk about recruiting 50, uh, uh, customers, what are you going to ask them to do and what are they going to represent as a channel? What's the, what's the purpose of using them in this campaign? So we, uh, for each of these friendvertisers, we obviously recorded a piece of film uh, of them talking about, so same script, same setting, same costumes, basically same ad, just 50 times over. So how, um, let's stop right there because that's just phenomenal for a small budget. How did, and these people are all around the country. How did you do that logistically? How do you shoot them? Do they shoot themselves or do, are they coming to a central location or how are you executing it? It was, okay, um, this is a farming analogy, but you know how when you drench sheep and you just sort of like get them and drench them and send them on their way and get the next one in and like literally it was it was a production <laughs> line. Yeah. You know, so you you get them in, you shoot the scene out, get the next person. This was a, we got all of us done. We shot 50 TVCs in a three-day shoot. And they're all the same scripts or are they, are they custom scripts for the person? 
uh, identical scripts other than the ones that we shot. So New Zealand, a, a very um, ethnically diverse country, and so we uh, shot three non-English scripts. But other than that, uh, all identical, identical words, identical, you know, whatever. And everyone kind of got to put their own spin on gestures and actions and delivery, but, but ultimately, yeah, the same script. We even did a, a sign language version. We did. You recorded 50 different sets of communications. And then what did you do? Was this, was this a paid, earned, uh, earned media? Or how are, you getting, how are you getting the word out? It was a whole mix, right? So uh, the whole point of this is the credibility of this person delivering the message, right? So the first thing you do is you arm the person with their own suite of assets, right? So everyone, everyone got a link to their own TV commercial, um, which they loved, obviously, you know, put on their social media feeds, shared with friends and family, and then there were some really incredible data smarts behind it. So, you know, if I saw if I saw your your TV ad because we're friends um, and I would click on it, we built uh, retargeting pools off the back of those clicks so that uh, more people who might know you would also see that ad. So maybe, you know, people who uh, live in Chicago or work in advertising, so they would start to see your assets come up over and over again. Um, things like... You know, we would make sure that the out-of-home executions were in your neighbourhood or near where you worked, again, to give people a really high chance of maybe seeing someone that they knew or someone who was like them. Um, and then after after we kind of had the, the organic the organic sharing, um, we obviously put, put money behind it. Um, and then we put a whole rotating variety of assets on TV um, so that eventually, even if you didn't know anybody in the campaign, you got the vibe that no matter who you were, Skinny was for someone like you. We we also did um, quite a few different. We did through through the line assets as well. We actually gave them when we when we launched the campaign, we gave them um, their own <laughs> their own um, EDM. So uh, we gave them their own merch. We put their faces on mugs. So of course they loved it, right? And they just wanted to share it to all their friends and family. Hi, friend and or family member. But do you know recommendations from friends or family members are more effective than regular ads? Anywho, let's talk about Skinny and mobile, also broadband. As a Kiwi brand, Skinny cover 98% of the places we work and or live. And have literally heaps of ad cops customers. Huh? Th this is my ad? No, it's not. It's mine. Oh, it's actually his. Sorry. So join me, friend slash family member. Get the Skinny! Hi, friend and or family member. Did you know recommendations from friends or family members are more effective than regular ads? Anyway, let's talk about Skinny and mobile and also broadband. As a Kiwi brand, Skinny covers 98% of the places we work and all live. And have literally heaps of happy customers like me and them. Get the <laughs> So join me, friend slash family member. Get the Skinny. Happy, happy, happy Summarize for us, uh, Amy. What exactly did you want to achieve through this, and then and then we want to talk about what was achieved. So we wanted people to uh, to believe that Skinny were a really great telco, and that's the fun fundamental that we wanted to do. Right? Um, we wanted to show that we were credible, and the best way to do that was for somebody I knew uh, to deliver that message to me, and so that was the whole genus of advertising. As we get get close to wrapping up here, are there any results overall that you can share post uh, friend advertising? How have your major metrics specifically moved as it relates to consideration, acquisition, customer value? So I think a couple of things. The first is that our consideration has continued to increase, which is incredibly important because it's linked to so many other things. It's increased at a time when our competitors' consideration is dropping. So we know that it's not a category trend. It's something that Skinny is achieving uniquely. Um, 
we're continuing to acquire customers, which is brilliant. But I think most importantly, uh, our churn rate has con continued to drop. So, you know, before uh, Famous Names, it was at 64%. Um, after Famous Names, it was at a bit of a 50-something percent. It's now down sitting sort of between almost at 30%. So wow. that has continued to drop, which means customers that that uh, are joining us are staying with us, which is really, really important. And the last thing that, you know, is one of those really, really tiny changes that makes a huge financial difference is that our customer value continues to increase. So the customers that are with us are spending more. They're staying with us. They're not leaving us for higher value plans elsewhere. Um, they are, yeah, they're sticking with us and they're growing with us, which is incredibly important. Where does the campaign go from here, Amy? Is friendvertising going to come back in a, in, a, in a second version? Yeah, I don't know. I think I think we're looking we're looking for new new ways to execute. Um, we've definitely there's a huge strength in famous names. So where it makes sense to use it, people love it. Then then we'll continue executing in that way. But there are definitely a couple of things in the pipeline, a couple of new things that we might do to keep prices low and customers happy. And so. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for some of that work that's, that's still to come. It is Amy Pollock, Planning Director, Colenso, BBDO in New Zealand, and Ali Young, uh, Brand Marketing at Spark in New Zealand, and Skinny uh, as her primary brand. Um, thank you both so much for joining. We really appreciate it. Thank you much, so much, Fergus. It was delightful. Yeah, that was so much fun. Thank you for having us. And we'll see everybody in the next episode.